Welcome back to a brand new episode of Tips with Salsa, talk tips and tales from the nonprofit community. I'm Craig Grella with Salsa, and today I sit down with a few of the Tech Impact IT team members, Ebony Taylor, Director of Infrastructure, and Chris Baranek, Security Team Manager. And we're discussing how nonprofits are making the transition to cloud computing and ways to keep your organization safe online. It's a great episode, and we hope you really enjoy it. Let's give it a listen. Welcome to another episode of Tips with Salsa. Today, we are joined by the good folks over at Tech Impact, a nonprofit whose mission is to help other nonprofits use technology to better serve the world. Welcome to Ebony Taylor, Project Manager, and Chris Baranek, Security Team Manager, both in the IT Services Division. Welcome, Ebony and Chris. Um, maybe you could take a moment and give our listeners a brief intro on Tech Impact, uh, who you are, who the organization is, and then maybe just touch briefly on your own roles with the organization, what it is that you both do. Sure. Um, well, thank you for having us, um, for starters. Uh, my name is Ebony Taylor. I'm the project manager here at Tech Impact. Oops, um, you know what? I'm sorry. I actually recently have been promoted to director of infrastructure um, here at Tech Impact. I've been with the organization for about 13 years, and um, we have been pretty much putting technology into the hands of other nonprofits. Um, and what we do, um, we usually do project work, project-based work. We can do anything from small um, infrastructure projects to large strategic technology plans to um, security assessments um, to uh, you know email migrations. We pretty much touch any of the IT needs that our nonprofits um, need at this point. And in order for them to continue their missions, most of the time um, they're dealing with some old and outdated machines and we come in with some good recommendations. Uh, we come in and we get them excuse me, we get them uh, set up, you know, at a reasonable price so that they can continue to further their mission and support their clients. Great. Thanks. And and also, Chris, maybe give a quick moment on what you're doing with Tech Impact. Well, my name is Chris Baranek, and I am the security team manager. Uh, and I am also a security engineer uh, working with the team. And uh, some of the projects or type of work that the security team gets engaged in our uh, incident response, we do project work, some things like cloud infrastructure strategy, where we take a look at on-premise infrastructure and come up with a strategy for migrating those services into a cloud platform. We look at, we also do project work uh, with uh, cloud services, looking into uh, hardening the Microsoft 365 platform. And we also do security risk assessment projects where we take a comprehensive uh, security lens on organizations and take a look at um, vulnerabilities and security gaps and then uh, recommend security controls that would address those discovered vulnerabilities. Great, thanks. So you are really covering a wide range of what I would call necessary IT, even though a lot of nonprofits may not realize that, but a lot of necessary IT for probably small all the way up to large or enterprise nonprofits. It, it sounds like, you know, between 
both of what you're doing and probably a lot of what Tech Impact does covers a lot of the spectrum of what a nonprofit organization might need from an IT standpoint, a, a tech stack standpoint, so to say. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we're, you know, we first tackle their infrastructure with any of their, you know, hardware, desktop needs, networking uh, devices, making sure they have, you know, substantial internet to provide, um, you know, coverage for their staff. Then there's the the aspect of making sure that they have some sort of communication tool, whether it be Office 365 or Google for email. We also do, um, you know, voice over IP implementation. So we're making, we're making sure that they have phone services. Um, then there's the, the the side of Chris's team where, you know, they're handling security and the vulnerabilities and making sure that there is authentication and, uh, you know, MFA for email and those kinds of things. Then we still have, you know, other aspects of Tech Impact, which handle like our data. So there's the um, migrations from servers on to, you know, older hardware, right? There's, we're at a place now where most folks are working from home. Um, and so they need access to that data a little bit quicker. And so we have um, one of our uh, kind of arms, I would say, they, they handle data, right? So they make they make sure that uh, our clients have the ability to service their their clients remotely by moving them from an on-premise server over to SharePoint, or they do, um, you know, uh, strategic assessments to determine what platform would be best for them. We've recently undergone, uh, undergone some changes um, in Tech Impact where we changed our, our platform. We went from uh, Salesforce over to Harmony. Um, um, and so one of our team members here at Tech Impact actually walked the entire organization through that as if we were, a, you know, a secondary organization. And so that was really cool to be the client in that aspect because, you know, we get to see firsthand what some of the other um, departments do um, for other nonprofits. So, yeah, we, we kind of cover a lot of the things that most of our nonprofits really need um, and really need assistance with um, from the very beginning as soon as they sign on as clients with us. You mentioned something that I, I wanted to ask you. You mentioned working from home, right? And we know that over the past year or maybe even two years now, literally millions of companies across the globe have gone remote. And since then, many of them have stayed remote or uh, they've stayed kind of in that hybrid mode where some employees are back working in the office and some are working from home. But no matter how they do it, um, we rarely stop and think about all the things that go on behind the scenes to even make that possible. And you mentioned some of them, and Chris mentioned some of them, things like authentication and servers, VPNs, all these things. But um, it, it's it's not something that we often think about, and we probably talk about it less often. And I know nonprofits rarely budget for it, but maybe you can both talk a little bit about some of the things that nonprofits should plan for if they are thinking of keeping remote employees um, or moving to a remote workforce, you know, how do they know it's the right time to move? How do they do it securely? Do they even need new policies or different policies? Things like that. So the, the COVID pandemic and lockdown really triggered a paradigm shift in how um, organizations need to think about security. And so let's let's just stop for a minute and think about a traditional Microsoft uh, shop and think about how we've been securing our organization's IT infrastructure for at least the last 10 years. So first what we do is we put up a network firewall, okay? And what we do, what we first, what we start to do is we start to secure the perimeter, 
right? We want to make sure that um, we keep the bad guys out and we keep our protected IT assets inside. So let's think of it as a castle. And this would okay. be like all local, Chris, like maybe it's at a local uh, organization, maybe in their server room or something like that. Right. Correct. And then and then uh, an organization like that probably has a local Microsoft domain controller using Active Directory and group policy. And what Active Directory is doing is it is the identity manager. So what Active Directory is functioning to do is it's keeping a record of everyone's username and passwords and their accounts. Then we're using group policy through Active Directory to push out security controls to our end devices, so to our workstations and to our servers. Then uh, traditionally, we probably use a WSUS server, which is Microsoft uh, Windows Update Services, which pushes out operating system patches to end devices and servers. We might have something called uh, MDT working, which is the Microsoft Development Toolkit, which is what we're using to push out workstations. We might have an on-premise uh, antivirus management server that is collecting data from the different workstations and making sure that antivirus is up to date in all these machines. And so I'm gonna go back to the analogy of the castle. So we've built this castle in IT where we've uh, secured the perimeter and make sure that inside the castle, we have all the security fortifications that we need to protect our IT assets. And what happened with the pandemic? Everyone fled the castle. So we had we had this great secure system that everyone was used to and knew how it worked. And it was, I'll say, easy, easy for you, but you know, easy and understandable. And then everything changed. Everyone's not in the office anymore. Everyone's outside, and we've got all these other security issues again. And all of the all of the traditional security controls are no longer effective. And so we've, we've fled the castle, we've fled all of our security controls, and now we have unprotected devices, we have unprotected accounts, and we have unprotected data. So we need to think about, um, with the shift in remote work, there needs to be an associated shift in how we're securing our assets. And it's a complete fundamental change in what we've been doing for at least the last 10 years. One of the things that's interesting to me is um, I think a lot of nonprofits, because I was there too, you, you think of this and you say, well, no one's coming after us and no one's going to want what we have. But that's not the point, right? Um, and that's, I wouldn't agree with that statement either. How do you mean? Be meaning, meaning that all, we should assume that all organizations have, have money. And I know that organizations will say, we don't have any money, but we see tons of ransomware attacks and on nonprofits and the attackers don't discriminate. They're not looking at an organization's budget before they decide to do a ransomware attack. They're gonna do a ransomware attack on anyone that they see vulnerable. That's, and that's even if you don't have that much financial capital. 
Right. So it doesn't matter what you have or where you are or the type of nonprofit, you need to be secure because if you're not, and what are some of the things, what are the dangers of not being secure? What have you seen? You know, you don't have to mention names of people who've come to you or told you stories, but what are some of the dangers? I mean, loss of data, you know, what, what, what can happen to nonprofits that aren't secure or don't think about this kind of stuff? The, the biggest is ransomware. And there's a few associated problems with ransomware attacks. One is most often is you don't have access to your data, which means that regular business functions uh, can't operate, right? If you can't look at your data, if you can't get access to your files, you can't function. Also, there, we, there are many nonprofits that are in the healthcare arena. So now there are HIPAA reporting and having uh, protected information. Just because that they encrypt it doesn't mean that they didn't capture it. And just because that you might pay the ransom, there's no guarantee that the attackers still won't release that information, right? We, we should assume that a criminal will behave like a criminal. And also, likewise, the, the same is true for financial information. And so there's, there's really some value in preventing an organization from accessing the data but then there's also financial data to the actual type of information that they could sell in the dark web. So now that they've, to use the analogy you said before, now that they've fled the castle, so to say, what are some of the things that nonprofits can do to protect themselves now that they have this remote workforce? Or if they're thinking about keeping their workforce remote, what are some of the things they should think about um, and, and maybe start to look into that might keep them safe? So the difference between a traditional on-premise infrastructure that functions in the castle is that the security controls function within the internal network. But the, the organization should consider migrating to cloud solutions uh, like either G Suite or Office 365 because those services are available through an internet connection. So that means that when someone takes a device outside the castle and brings it home, that those devices can remain connected because the services function through an internet connection. And what makes a lot of sense is to think about MDM or mobile device management because mobile device management provides the security tools to that are very similar to what was provided in a traditional Active Directory environment or in the castle. So it could provide patch management functionality. It could provide application deployment. So um, if an organization has a certain set of application tools, they can have them deployed to all their workstations. There are um, compliance tools so that a organization could come up with security requirements to be able to connect with the organizational data. And if a device falls out of compliance, they could lose access to the organizational data. And also the security controls and configurations that were pushed out within the castle can now get pushed out through an internet connection. So some of what you're talking about, it sounds like a mix of, even if you're using uh, cloud solutions, like you mentioned, 
There's definitely a need for some sort of administrative settings or uh, maybe even a full-time administrator on staff, or maybe organizations that don't have that. I'm assuming that, you know, an organization like Tech Impact provides those services. But what would, what are the characteristics of a nonprofit, you know, when they get to the point where they should start thinking about this stuff? Is there a size? Is there a budget number? Not like an exact number, but you say like, hey, you know, if you're a nonprofit that's a million or more, you should be looking at this. You shouldn't be in your office using, you know, Outlook locally anymore. Is it a size thing? Is it a um, number of employees? Is it just a, a big nonprofit thing? Or is this even, you know, recommended for smaller nonprofits? Can they make this work? This is this is recommended for small um, organizations and for um, any size organization or budget, because sometimes uh, it there could be a cost savings when moving from the traditional model of having the in-house on-prem servers to uh, a cloud model, because uh, traditionally, you have physical servers, which require, which have a capital cost, require support, and require warranty. So all of those are annual costs. Then someone has to be able to um, support that. So either you're reaching out to a managed service provider, or you have internal support. And the the difference from that model is now you're moving to a subscription model. And so now you're instead of going from yearly support costs, now you're going to monthly subscription model, which makes budgeting easier and much easier to forecast. So you don't have to worry about that. Oops, <laughs> emergency. You know, there was a, a leak in the server room and our entire server melted down and we need to replace five racks. Right. So getting back to, your, to the point that, no, this, um, this isn't a solution for big organizations, whether in terms of staffing or in terms of uh, financial budget. Right, right, which is great. And then on on the security side of things, we've all heard of things like uh, antivirus software and things like that. I mean, one, does that stuff really work? And two, is there an organizational version of that? I mean, is that are there things that people should be thinking about to protect themselves against ransomware? Or are there things, you know, you hear about phishing scams and, you know, we all know that email scams are just rampant. You know, what are some things that organizations or, or individual employees can do to protect themselves against stuff like that? Antivirus solutions are always recommended. Um, think about like a like a lock. Could could someone break through your front door? They probably could. They might be able to smash it through. Someone might have the capability to pick the lock, but that doesn't. That's not a legitimate argument for not having a lock in your door. And, and I'd make that same argument with antivirus software. Uh, is any one particular antivirus software solution? Uh, provide a 100% guarantee against ransomware or virus infections? No. Are they most likely to stop it? Yes. But for the, th there's no argument against not having antivirus software. Um, for ransomware attack, it's um, the what we're seeing through the help through the help desk is that the root cause seems to be um, more often through uh, phishing attacks. And uh, something that that's important to note with phishing uh, attacks is that uh, as a security manager, I can recommend tons and tons of security controls. But if an end user is phished, 
and they enter their login credentials into a malicious site, there's nothing that I could have done to prevent them from doing that. So what's really important is end user training. It's really important that all staff receive at least quarterly a phishing campaign to assess their uh, awareness of phishing emails and then behind that a, a training campaign so that staff are aware of what to look for um, with phishing attacks. Yeah, it's amazing. You know, we we took a uh, we we take a lot of obviously being a tech company and a software company. We we do that often here, even at Salsa, we do it often. And it was amazing. The last one we took, you know, everyone remembers the prince, right? The prince who's in a different country and he's maybe going to jail and he needs you to send him money. And it's almost laughable that you look at these things, but some people unfortunately fall prey to those and they give away passwords and bank accounts and things like that. But the emails that you see now, especially some of the more recent phishing attacks are, I mean, they're really bad. They, they look like they're coming from internal addresses or... Uh, they use names that you're familiar with, um, and and almost plausible emails that that are just really dangerous. And it's important that you mention the training. It's really important that organizations take training to understand what phishing and spoofing emails look like. And the attackers are reacting to our phishing campaigns and training. So I, I'm seeing a lot of phishing emails that don't re that don't have an attachment, which is a red flag for a phishing scam, or don't have a link. Um, initially, which is also another um, red flag. And what we're seeing is personal information. So it's really easy to get personal information. So if I were just, so if I were crafting a phishing attack, I wouldn't have an attachment that's gonna get, that's gonna get blocked. I'm not gonna have a hyperlink, but I might go on Facebook and get your wife or your kids' names and use additional information to make my phishing email look legitimate. I recently got a an, an email from what looked like a friend who the email just simply said, can you do me a quick favor? And I forwarded that email because I noticed it wasn't exactly the email that I had known from my friend. So I emailed them just to you know let them know that this was going out. But uh, it's amazing. I mean, really short. And, you know, you, you want to respond quickly to people sometimes, especially people you know. And, of course, this was not someone I knew. It was a total phishing attempt. But uh, it's exactly like you mentioned. I mean, there it's a combination of, you know, humans getting human intelligence and trying to use that against people. It's really dangerous. We talked about some of the work that Chris and his team does by um, – kind of transitioning people from this on-premise castle idea to the cloud castle idea uh, and dealing with some of the security issues, doing security audits, make sure that the technology is up to snuff, make sure that everyone is safe in the process. We talked a little bit about training and making sure people understand uh, where vulnerabilities may exist. But now we've got this fleet of devices, some of them internal, some of them, maybe you've got desktops and laptops and even smartphones and other mobile devices. Uh, and then that sort of comes together where you need to make sure that all those devices are working together. They're all talking together. They're all safe. And I'm imagining, Ebony, that's kind of where your work kind of picks up. Yep, it does. And so after Chris has done all of his security assessments and we've given, you know, the client all the good recommendations to kind of, you know, force up or true up their their network. Um, the next things that we want to do is kind of make sure that their machines are now kind of being uh 
secure as well. And so part of this new cloud castle, so to speak, is to get them authenticating against that versus the on-premise castle. Um, and so part of what we do is we'll do either an Intune project or we'll work with the clients to um, Azure join them. And so now instead of them logging on with a username, maybe their first and last name or their first name or some kind of combination of the two, they're now logging in with their Office 365 credentials um, and or their Google credentials because Google does have a uh, mobile device management sort of platform as well. Um, and so now we go through the you know process of making sure that they're um, they're all logged in and they're all of their desktops are set up and configured that the way that they were used to. They have access to all of those new cloud infrastructures that we've now put in place, whether it be their email or their SharePoint. Um, and in some cases, um, folks are moving over to Teams as phone solutions. So we make sure that they have all of those things uh, intact on their desktops and that they can actually function now that they are quote unquote working from home, right? Um, and so there's been a big shift um, in the last year and a half for folks that needed to go through this process. And, you know, for some, it's been a breeze and for, for others, it has been um, a big ordeal. And so we like to take the time out necessary to kind of walk these clients through this process. You know, I spend about an hour just kind of going over what that looks like. We kind of walk our, um, our client contacts through the process so that they understand and they can communicate with their clients because part of the pro you know fear change is a big thing right and people fear change and especially going from you know we we already had the covid fear and now we have the work from home fear and then we have the teaching from home fear and so now changing more technology has been a really big you know kind of thing for folks and so we try to give them as much um you know information and communication as we can so that their fears are eased just a tad bit and so again we do a lot of training we do a lot of conversations with our client contacts we walk through the process. You know, there are some testimonies that we have up on our website from other organizations that have been through some of these changes um, so that they can understand that these, while these are, you know, there are fearful changes that are happening, but there are necessary changes that not only to secure you and make sure that your organization is secure from all of the things and vulnerabilities that Chris spoke about, but to also make sure that your staff can still continue to support your clients, right? Because we're, we're in a position now where there is no coming into the office or clients are able to come into your office to see them. And so we need to be able to still communicate with them and being able to do that in a secure um, manner is really what ultimately Tech Impact wants to make sure that we're providing for our, our clients. One of the things that both you and Chris mentioned was training and making sure that your staff, your admins uh, are, are trained thoroughly, both on vulnerabilities and also on just how to use the tech and how the tech interacts. And I know that you and I in the past, Ebony, have spoken about the accidental techie course that Tech Impact offers. Maybe you can uh, chat about that briefly and, and talk about you know, why training is important for, for organizations to take part in. So... I've been here at Tech Impact for so long that I've come across so many folks that just don't, they don't think that they are the technical person that they are, right? And they really are because they are accidental techies. They've been doing this work for so long. They've been making sure that, you know, folks' passwords are correct and they've been reaching out to Tech Impact and kind of being the person that we're working with. And so in their minds or in our minds, really, they are the accidental techies. We like to make sure that there is an 
least one or two people at each one of these organizations that can be the feet on the ground so that they are able to assist, especially in a case, you know, not necessarily a huge like, oh, my God, there's a phishing attack going on. But if if someone was to send them an email that says, hey, look, this kind of looks a little suspicious. We don't want them to be like, oh, you know what? Let me click on that and see. We want that accidental techie person to be like, you know what, Ebony, you're right. This is suspicious. I've seen something like this before. I took the course with Tech Impact or I've worked with my account manager. They've explained to me um, numerous on numerous occasions. They've showed me what these kinds of things look like. And so, you know, we like to provide those sorts of, you know, that kind of um, education to our clients, whether it be through the accidental techie course. We have a lot of webinars that we offer um, on security, on, you know, just training for, you know, Outlook, you know, even Excel, those kinds of things. Um, so we want to make sure that we're providing everyone in the nonprofit world all of the tools that they need to to be able to succeed. And where would someone go if they want to try to find some of those trainings that you mentioned? Yep. So our website is www.techimpact.org. And once you get there, there is a uh, training and career location. Um, And once you get on there, or actually, I'm sorry, it's called Nonprofit Tech. And once you get on there, there's a bunch of different resources. Not only does it offer you the information regarding the services, like our our managed services or uh, the email migrations or data management services, but it also offers you some training resources. So we offer IT works and CS works and punch code, a couple different um, kind of adult education programs. Um, But then it also does give you our training calendar. So those are the webinars that we offer. So there are, um, you know, things on there like the Office 365 training. There's a demo um, on some of uh, things like Box and there are um, assessments for um, different sorts of uh, data uh, tools that you can use for your um, organization. So definitely take a look at our website. There's a lot of different resources that you can use there that could help you um, move your organization and their technology needs to the to the future. I remember doing a webinar at Google. Um, this is going back at least a decade. And we were talking about the quote unquote cloud. <laughs> and they, uh, all the, the people who showed up for this event, it was in, at Google in Pittsburgh. And they gave Chromebooks, you know, quote unquote Chromebooks. Hey, this new computer. They were <laughs> really small little laptops. And uh, it was interesting talking about the cloud then, uh, then and, and just seeing what it's become now and how important it's become. And, and I have taken some of the tech impact training and, and your team goes so deep into the education. Uh, and it, it's really nice, and it's a really great resource for nonprofits. And I recommend that they uh, give it a look and, and check out some of the resources that your team offers. Uh, thank you both, Ebony and Chris, for joining us on this episode. A lot of great information, a lot of really good things for nonprofits to think about uh, to help keep their organizations and their employees safe while they're online. So, uh, thank you both for joining us. We really appreciate you uh, being on this episode of Tips with Salsa. Thank you for having us. Well, that wraps up another episode of Tips with Salsa. If you'd like to listen to other episodes, you can visit salsalabs.com forward slash podcast. And if you'd like to check out Tech Impact, they can be found at techimpact.org. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode.